So uh, our friend Peter's out, mile 21, and at that point of the race, I've run lots of half marathons, never a marathon, but I can only imagine how alone he feels at this stage of the game. It is hard. Everything uh, in your body is saying, quit, you're crazy, you've gone way too far, just stop. And some of you, as you come in this morning, you're feeling alone. You're feeling like stopping in life, just wondering, who am I? What does it mean uh, for me to follow and to know God's purpose, my purpose in this world? And so hopefully this, this series, as we talk about a beautiful design, as we talk about the purpose of men and women, hopefully God will speak to you in a powerful way. And that's the reality as we open the scriptures, as we work through this series. The reality is we're not alone because we have all been made in the image of God. And today we're going to talk to women. Next week we're going to talk to men. In fact, Al is going to be talking to the men next week. And so uh, that will be what is the purpose of a man? What does it mean to be a man, not another boy who simply shaves? What does it be? And Al's got a great message planned for next week. This week, we're going to talk to you women. So what is it about? What does it mean to be a woman? Is it about how good you look? Is it about how you feel about yourself? What others find attractive or significant about you? Is it about your awesome family? Is it about how well you're doing in your career? I mean, there's so many questions about what it means to be a woman. What's God's desire for you? What's his design for you as a woman? And last week, we set the foundation for all of us that God, in the very beginning, created human beings, man and women, equal in value, Significant, but different, right? Men and women are different, equal but different. And we can look at all kinds of different ways that men and women are different, biologically, neurologically, behaviorally. I don't have to say anything about biologically. You can open a science book. Men and women are different. Neurologically, I read this great article this past week. It was really interesting. So men, as they're studying the brain... They're finding that the men in one side of their brain has, have better connectivity from front to back. And women have better connectivity between the left and right hemispheres. More connections. Which means men can focus on one thing really well. And women can do multiple things while they're having a conversation with somebody. So it's very interesting. The brain reflects that behaviorally. From the earliest times when we take a look at boys and girls, we notice just through observation that boys and girls are different. Now, some studies have, there are all kinds of studies, but uh, studies have been done. At 18 months, if a a boy or a girl, now this isn't all in all cases. This is just most of the time. When boys and girls are given the option of playing with a truck or a doll, and this isn't, I mean, this is 18 months. So there might be a little socialization at this point, but at 18 months, the boy most of the time will choose the truck, and the girl most of the time will choose the doll. Now, sometimes the boys will choose the truck and the doll, but that simply means he's going to run over the doll multiple times with the truck, (laughs) right? Um, Now, with my own boys, here's another study. You find this, I found this really interesting. So at 12 months, uh, little boys, 
given um, to basically focus on people that are talking or a person who's talking to them or right near them, or wipers on a vehicle that keep going back and forth will be drawn to the wipers. Girls are more relationally connected early on. Now, this is not all cases, but most of the time. And we realize with our own boys, early on, um, I can remember these conversations. You know, you've got all these ideals as a young parent. And Candace said, you know, I, I don't want our boys to be, be playing with guns. No, no toy guns in the house. And what we realized is um, very early on, uh, Colin could turn basically anything into a gun. Bread, hot dog, piece of wood, whatever. Boom, boom, boom. He's shooting everything. So it's, you know. Boys and girls are different. All right. So what gives me the right as a man to talk about the design and purpose of a woman? Because I can tell you, there are many, many things I do not understand about women. But I know a few things because I live with a couple of them, my wife and my daughter, and soon one more girl coming into our house. And yes, you women are different. Did you know that the average woman has over 300 things that she utilizes in her bathroom? Over 300 things. Now, I don't know what a lot of those things are, but a man only has about seven. Think about this. It's like comb, toothbrush, toothpaste, um, you know, some razor, uh, shaving creams, you know, towel, and uh, now gel. Yeah, hair product. Got to have hair product these days. So it's a very short list. Now, what I found, though, is that we have our sinks on opposite sides of the tub, and uh, my wife uses my side, too. <laughs> and I figured, you know, I've learned that that's okay. That's okay. All right, so by experience, I've got you know, a little understanding of women. But more importantly, I'm familiar with the scriptures. And we want to go to what God says about what it looks like and what it should be like and what's most important for you to understand in terms of being a woman. And guys, you uh, don't check out today just because this is a message for women or about women. You need to learn something about the opposite sex. You do. Now, I got some of you guys back because you said, did Dave just say sex? <laughs> guys, you need to learn something today too, all right? And maybe this will start a conversation if you have a woman in your life to learn a little bit more about what she needs and what's important to her. Okay, ladies, here's the problem. Here's the problem in our culture. Our culture is incredibly confused about the differences of men and women, and ultimately what defines a woman. We have, uh, you know, constant barrage of media images where women are bombarded with images. This is what it means to be a woman. It's about your beauty and your shape, your success, your independence, all these different images. Just You can kind of spin through these different pictures, images. And so you, you wonder, what am I supposed to be about what should my life look like? What does it look like? Or what sh you know, how can I discover what it means to be beautiful and to have independence and to be successful with all these conflicting messages? And really, there are two extremes as we look at uh, different views in our culture. One is traditionalism. And in traditionalism, basically the idea is the woman's place 
is in the home. Got a little picture for that. Um, Now, this isn't all bad because family is a pretty important part of our culture. But if you only position that a woman has a place in the home, that she should be at home cooking, taking care of kids, all that kind of stuff, that misses what God's purpose is for a woman. Now, there's some good things, some good values there. But at the same time, if that's the only thing, you run into significant problems. And obviously, there are many, many abuses. When you look at traditional uh, istic positions where men dominate women, where women don't have a voice, and there's abuse and control and all these kinds of things. So there's good there, but to an extreme, that's not it. And then because of traditionalism, what else has arisen on the other side? Feminism. Now, there's some value to feminism as we support the the rights of women because men and women are created equal, just different, equal value, significant before God. And the feminists, the only problem there is getting out to the extremes again where the position is women are equal, but even more than that, women are the same. They should be completely independent in life, not dependent on anybody, on God or men. Now, that's the extreme. And just the the essential belief that there's no difference. Well, that doesn't play out either. Now, here's an interesting quote that I found on uh, extreme feminism. Uh, This author wrote, it's time to say that no one else, what no one else will. Feminism didn't result in equality between the sexes. It resulted in mass confusion. Today, men and women have no idea who's supposed to do what. So that's the question for you as women today. Who am I? What does it mean for me to thrive as a woman, to find the strength and the purpose that God wants you to have. God intends for you to have strength and, con- uh, and confidence and a sense of who you are and what's important. Now, there's a reason that this is all messed up. There's so much confusion in our culture, and it goes right back to the beginning of the Bible. So we read in Genesis 1 that God created men and women in his image. They were created for a purpose with differences, with roles to play. And then in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are deceived by the serpent. The evil one comes and kind of questions what God has said. And so they fall into sin, wanting to be independent from God. And here's uh, the judgment that happens in that account. So this is the judgment on or for the woman. God says, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, and he will rule over you. Now just think about that. Now if you're a newlywed, if you're newly married, you're like, I don't know what he's talking about. We don't experience this. But if you've been married, if you've been in relationship, the desire to control, and then he will abuse that. It just goes back and forth. That's our human nature. And we have to learn how to overcome it and understand what is God's design for us as he restores relationships, 
as he restores a proper perspective for us on our world and what it means to be a woman. You see, God has a renewal plan. He has a restoration plan, and he wants you, ladies, to understand what's most important. Now, there are two things that we'll talk about today in terms of what's most important for you. The first thing is um, what God wants you to know, and then secondly, what God wants you to be as a woman. Now, this only can happen as we uh, get familiar with the scriptures and ultimately what it means to be restored in Christ. As we have faith in Christ, as we begin to see uh, the world a little bit differently, there's two, these two things that God wants you to know. Or one, what he wants you to know, and two, what he wants you to be. And that is what sets the foundation for what you do. Okay? A lot of times we say, okay, what I do, that's what makes me a woman. No. It's what you need to know and what you need to be that sets the foundation for what you do. And we'll talk more about that as we go. All right, so what do you need to know? Romans chapter 8. I love this text. It's a powerful text. Now take it in. It says, this is Paul talking. And he says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children, as his own daughters. And now we call him Abba Father, which means Daddy. For, the, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children, God's precious daughters. That's the starting point for you, ladies. What you must know is that God is your loving Father. So as you make this, you know, this commitment to follow Christ, there's a Father who's crazy about you who wants you to know his love and his protection and that he is with you no matter what. Now, you may struggle with this based on your life experience. Whatever your relationship was like with your father could have been really good, could have been good and bad. Maybe you felt uh, rejected by your dad or you just never met his standards. Maybe you were abandoned by him, mistreated. Maybe he never protected you. Maybe you just... You know, he just was not there emotionally for you. And so this is hard. But the scriptures give us the picture that you are God's precious daughters. And he loves you. He cares for you. He has a plan for you and a purpose for you. And he will be with you. Even when you don't notice him. Um... I know what this is like because I have a daughter. And um, I long for her to know my love and safety and protection. That when I'm around, she has nothing to fear. I want her to grow in that confidence, to know that I am for her and I am there for her. And uh, last week... um, Reagan, she's nine, and she, uh, she, for the first time, was going to ride her bike with a couple older friends to HEB, which is only a half mile from our house. 
And so uh, only a half mile, it's not a, not a huge deal. They were going to ride their bikes over there, so get their bikes ready to go. And, and I was a little concerned. It's her first trip. You know, it's, uh, it's a store. There's traffic, plenty of traffic going around. And uh, so they headed out, and um, I was going to walk the dog. And so I, you know, I was going to get the dog out. And then guess where I walked the dog? <laughs> there I went to H-E-B. And so I kind of walked down the side. I could see where their bikes were parked. Um, and it kind of went around the end. I was kind of waiting to see when they were going to come out. And saw their faces. And I'm like, okay, now I'm just going to tuck, tuck away. I was there to protect them and help them in any way I could. Now, I wish I would have stayed around longer because one of their girls had a flat tire. It really would have helped if I would have stuck around a little longer. But the point is, I was there and she knew nothing about it. And your father is there for you. Even though you don't know it, he's there. And he will love you and he will protect you. Even though you go through hard, hard things in this world. And he will be there for you. Because he is the God who made you and the God who has a purpose for you and the one who will ultimately give you faith and confidence. Um, I've got this book. It's called She Calls Me Daddy. It's a great book for, for dads about raising girls. And I was given it years ago, even before uh, Reagan was born, from a guy who had daughters. And he said, if you ever have a daughter, you've got to have this book. It's, it's really a great read. Well, there's this one chapter where the author is talking about his daughter as she's becoming a teenager, and they, he and his wife had committed, you know, she can't date until she's 16. Well, she turned 16, and so boys started coming around. There's this 18-year-old boy, senior, Stephen, who wanted to date her daughter. Well, he had told his daughter very early on, he said, you can date at 16, but any boy that's going to date you has to be interviewed by me first. And um, I'm sure she thought that was great when she was younger. Now she's 16. She's like, oh, Dad, come on. And he's like, nope, if Stephen wants to take you out on a date, he's going to come sit down with me first. And so Stephen came to the house and, uh, and sat down nervously with this dad. And, uh, and he started, so the dad started the conversation with Stephen. Hey, Stephen, I, you know, I noticed the car that you drove up that's parked outside of the house. It's a really nice, nice car. And uh, Stephen beamed. He said, yeah. He said, my dad and I bought it. My dad helped me buy it uh, last year. And, and he started to talk about all the time and energy he'd put into this car to making it look nice and some of the work that he'd done on the outside and how, uh, how he took good care of it and how important it was to him. And so, you know, the dad asked him a few more questions. And, and then he stopped and he said, hey, um, Stephen, uh, how would you have felt if I came over to your house last week and knocked on your door and I said, um, hey, Stephen, I'd like to borrow your car tonight. Can I go take your car out? What would you say? And Stephen said, I'd say no. I mean, you just come to my house. I don't know who you are. I, I don't know how you drive. You, you see where this is going? <laughs> I don't know if I can trust you. I mean, this car is really important to me. I take really good care of it. We'd have to get to know each other. And the dad said, Steve, I'm really glad you say that, said that because I would do this exact same thing. And the boy just beamed. <laughs> and then he said, Stephen, while well, I've got your attention, you've come to my house 
And you're asking to take out my daughter, who's the most precious thing that I have. And I don't know you. I don't know what you value. I don't know who you are. So we're going to get to know each other. And the blood ran out of his face. (laughs) See, I can't wait to have this experience. So... I think this is so much better than just saying, hey, here's my good friend Smith and Wesson. You know, just... So, a couple of things happen when the dad... When a dad does this. And dads, pay attention because the way that you interact with your daughter and love her and show her that she's valuable makes a huge difference in how she'll relate to other guys and what she'll expect from other guys. So please take note, guys. This is so important. But he was teaching her through this process how important she was and that he was going to give time and energy to protecting her and loving her and making sure that any guy that she was with or spending time with was all right. Um, He knew that the dad was making, you know, paying attention, making notice. Now here's the second thing. This is really important. For you as women, um, as he interviewed those boys, he was also teaching her standards for how she can be confident to interview boys, to know what she was standing on, that she could ask questions, that she could have boundaries, that she could have confidence in who she was. Women, it's so important for you to know how much your father, the God who made you, loves you and wants to protect you and be with you and give you security. That's the starting point. And he also wants you to know this this being, you know, what it means to be a woman, a woman of character, A woman of purpose, a woman who's learning from God, learning to trust God. Because, right, you can't be independent. You can't just push and say, I'm going to do it my way to be the woman that God wants you to be. It's dependence on the Father who loves you. Dependence on what God wants for you and what he's going to teach you. Not just through the scriptures, but through other women um, who've uh, maybe gone uh, you know, a few years ahead of you. So uh, let's talk about this for a moment. How do, you, how do you start there, this being? Well, there's a sense where you can only gain your peace. This is for men and women. You can only gain your peace by being still and knowing that your God is there. That's from the Psalms. Be still and know that God is there. Your God is there. And you begin to live each day with that sense of purpose. I love Esther's story in the Old Testament because here's this young Hebrew woman, the book of Esther. Um, if, if you have some time, make some time, go back and read her story. It's a, it's a short story in the Old Testament. But here's this Hebrew woman. She was an orphan. And she was ultimately taken in by her cousin, her uncle Mordecai, who raised her. And he taught her uh, the faith. He taught her how valued she was, that she had a father who loved her, who made her. And, uh, and he taught her a certain way to be. And so she, uh, Xerxes was the Persian king. They were in exile at that point. 
And Xerxes was choosing a new wife. And so he, she was, you know, he went to her area or had his officials go to her area. And Esther was one of the women, young women that was chosen as this potential wife. And she was chosen out of all these women to be the next queen. Now, in that day, the king of Persia had many wives, but she was the queen. And during that time, uh, Haman, who was uh, this you know, kind of high assistant for Xerxes, he hated the Jewish people, and he put an order together basically to slaughter, kill all the Jews. And so Mordecai came to Esther and said, Esther, you have to do something about this. You have to, standing on this foundation, knowing your God, who you are as a woman, and maybe, he says to her, you were put in this place, in the king's household, for such a time as this, to influence the king and to save your people. Now, that wasn't an easy thing to do. I mean, the queen had to have permission to go see the king And Esther had to take a lot of steps. Ultimately, she saved her people, but she did it with great courage because she knew her God and she knew what it meant to be a daughter and a woman. There's this text in Proverbs uh, 31. Now, please, uh, this is kind of a famous text in the Bible about uh, this godly woman and it's often set as a standard or expectation that no woman can meet. It's, it's just a picture, though, of a faithful, confident woman. Now think of this. When you're confident, when you have a good foundation, you can be, like, ferocious in your faith, ladies. Right? You can be confident and have courage in your faith. Here's, uh, here's this courageous, ferocious woman from Proverbs 31. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife or woman? Just think of it as woman. She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins them. She's like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She's energetic, strong, and a hard worker. This is exhausting, isn't it? She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. She's not only a morning person, she's an evening person, night person too. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Now here's what's important about this. It's the energy, the confidence, the fulfillment the sense of purpose that a woman can have when she knows she's a daughter and has just a daily sense of what it means to live in relationship with her father. You see, there are lots of ways to live this out. There are lots of things you can do with your life, right? 
Knowing and being set the foundation. They affect everything else. You may be single, you may be married. You may be married in work, or you may stay at home with kids if you have children. It doesn't matter. What matters is the knowing and the being. God values you. You are precious to him, and he desires for you to grow. I mean, to grow as a woman, knowing these things. And, and so um, I thought it'd be helpful because uh, I know little about being a woman, to have a woman come up front. And Christina Pena, if you would come up front, I have uh, a few questions for you as we interact on this topic. Thank you for being brave. All right. So, Chrissy, you have a lot going on in your life. Um, and so you know uh, all the stresses and you work, you have a family. Um, but tell us a little bit about the process um, of knowing God in your life. If you can think of a, a story or a way that this kind of came into perspective for you, what it meant to be a daughter. Yeah, yeah. so can you guys hear me? <clears throat> so this is going to be really hard because mm-hmm. I shouldn't have sat in on your message. <laughs> um, so I grew up in a family of, uh, there were five of us, five girls, and my dad was much older than my mom. And um, he loved us. I knew he loved us, but uh, he really didn't show a lot of affection to us. And he certainly... Um, He didn't protect us from an uncle who actually abused us. I didn't tell you that. Um, And so growing up was really hard because this was a secret that our family just kind of kept within themselves. Um, So in high school, of course, we're kind of on our own. And we, uh, I was miserable, doing really well, though. I did really well in school. Um, And so at night, an evangelist on the TV just came on and I just prayed to receive Jesus. Uh, but I didn't know what in the world that meant. Mm -hmm. So the next day I got up and I kept kind of going on with my life. Um, and, uh, I did not live the way I knew Jesus wanted me to live. Mm -hmm. God wanted me to live. So, um, throughout the whole horrible, college and 20s, um, I kept hearing this thing, which was God, my father, telling me, this is not the way I want you to live. This is not the way I want you to live. So I met my husband. Uh, He wasn't my husband at that time. We started living together, and it was not something God wanted. Um, And I remember uh, God slowly started taking people away from me. He moved them away from me. My sisters were all in Austin. Um, my best friends didn't really like the fact that Jerry and I were back and forth. So I'd go to them when Mm. I wasn't with Jerry, I'd come back Mm. to Jerry when we were good. And so, um, they were kind of slowly moving away from me and I was totally by myself. Jerry at that time had, um, done something to me that was very offensive and, uh, I was by myself. So I remember sitting at my desk, studying for my CPA exam all by myself, and I just started crying. And uh, I was alone, totally alone. I had nobody else that I could trust. 
And um, I just heard my father whisper, I'm all you have, and I am enough for you. And I said, okay. (laughs) So that was it. I told Jerry, thank you very much. Been good, but I got to go back. (laughs) And I got to go figure this out. Yeah. Hey, can we get a picture of what Jerry looked like back then? (laughs) Check this out. Yeah, baby. Okay, we got, we'll wait on the other ones. All right. So has you, um, you, I mean, it was, and this is the thing is God brings us to himself through all kinds of difficulty and challenge and pain. Uh, but he loves you all the same. And, and how did you begin to grow then in what it meant to be a woman yeah. who looked to God and everything? So, um, so it was still hard, right? Because Jerry and I were really new Christians, and um, and uh, and I still liked to um, do things that I wanted to do. Not they were more in accordance with what God wanted, but it was uh, totally my will. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Growing up, right, I did really well in school. I got accepted to every, you know, university I applied to, full paid scholarship. I mean, I, I just did so well. Mm-hmm. You if were killing I, it. I was, I was killing it. <laughs> if I wanted to do something, I'd do it. If I wanted to, I mean, I was just in control of my life. Mm-hmm. And so when Jerry and I got married, of course, we wanted children. Um, and I had always kind of wondered why I hadn't gotten pregnant because I really hadn't used any protection. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, wow, something's wrong. Mm. So, um, of course we went to the doctor and, uh, we went through, um, infertility treatments. Mm. Um, and, uh, all along I would wonder why God was doing this, right? Why is this father not giving me the desire of my heart? Mm. And, um, this is what every woman's supposed to be able to do, right? I'm supposed to be able to have children. Mm. And I thought, maybe he's punishing me for how I lived. And of course, you know, I knew that wasn't truth. Um, but what, but then one day we were at the missions game and, uh, I was sitting there and I saw this mom bring in, um, her son and she, he was in a wheelchair, totally immobile. He was, um, a quadriplegic and I looked and I would see that everything that he needed she was doing for him, so he couldn't move. So she would have to move his head to give him water. She would have to move his head to kind of readjust him to look at the game. And I kind of looked at him and I said, wow, without her, she is nothing. Um, He is nothing. And then I heard my father whisper, "Uh, and that is you and me. Without me, you are nothing and you can do nothing. So from that day on, I knew the infertility was for me, um, for my teaching, for me to start thinking of my father also as my Lord, because he controls everything, everything about me, everything about what I did, everything about what I could do and am able to do is because of him. Um, So there's nothing now that I don't believe he can control in my life, and that's, that's how I came to realize that. <laughs> and so then uh, there was a miracle. Can we see Jerry with holding the babies? There he is. Yeah. <laughs> How about today? There's the Jerry we know. Yeah. 
So, Christina, um, thank you for sharing. I mean, these, these are very deep things. Thank you for opening up your life. How has knowing and now, you know, being God's daughter affected what you do or how you approach what you do? Yeah. So, um, I'm not that Proverbs 31 <laughs> woman, just so everybody's clear. I've got friends in the back, my husband, friends who know me, yeah. and they'll tell you, yeah, she's not anything like that. Um, <laughs> um, but I don't doubt anymore. I don't doubt God for who he is. I don't doubt that he's my father and he loves me. I don't doubt at all that he is in control of my life. Um, if you are ever, <laughs> ever in doubt, come talk to me because mm -hmm. there's nothing he can do. Um, and there's nothing I can do without him. Yeah. So um, it, it's hard. I, I work, so I go to work every day. I have my two little guys, um, and it is hard to kind of, you know, be the mom, be the wife, be mm -hmm. the, the person that God wants me to be. But um, it's just through him that I continue to keep doing what I do and keep learning and, um, and all the big decisions that I make, the little decisions that I worry about, he reminds me that he's in control. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Chrisita. Thank, thank you. So back to where we started, um, women of Rock Hills. Know this. You're not alone. Um, no matter what you're going through, what you're sorting through in terms of who you are, your purpose, there are other women here who maybe are going through the same thing, uh, maybe ha have been through it. Um, we're here for you as we walk in faith together. But the thing that God wants you to know, as you uh, take steps of faith, as you look to Christ you have a father who's crazy about you, who loves you, who values you, and who desires for you to depend on him and grow daily knowing that you're his daughter.